The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover a positive path for spiritual living. Welcome to Voices of Unity with Rev. Jackie Fernandez. This is Rev. Jackie Jack Jacks Fernandez, and we are live from the Tower at Unity Village, the sacred grounds of Unity Village. So welcome to the show today. I'm so excited to have here in the studio with me Rev. Rose Schwab. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Rose is the senior minister at Smooch. Mm -hmm. Those in the Kansas City area will know that that is the uh, name of the Shawnee Mission Unitarian Universalist Church. And you've been there for four years now. Mm -hmm. I was was trying to think. I think you're still new there, but it's been four years. So welcome. And that's going well for you? Yes, it's wonderful. Thank you. I love in your bio here. you were well. You were raised Universal Unitarian Universalist, and you believe church to be a place of authenticity, healing, justice, and transformation. Sounds very familiar. Um, and called by unanimous vote on May eighth, twenty sixteen. Congratulations, uh, twenty sixteen. And uh, this is what I love. She brings a love of creative, embodied, music-centered worship, as well as a holy curiosity to pastoral care. A holy curiosity. What does that mean to you? Holy curiosity means allowing for moments of chaos and allowing for the spirit to move and for um, the divine to blossom in between us. So I think for me, relationships are very central to my own spiritual life and feeling like I am honoring the sacredness that goes on between I and thou. Mm -hmm. So I think the holy curiosity is about, um, it's about a place, a place to be and a place to come from and a place to strive for. And I find that in moments of tightness or moments of anxiety or moments when um, I don't feel connected to what is sacred, I find that my curiosity is the first to go. So uh, yes. I try to come back to curiosity and um, approach especially situations that are stressful or tense with as much curiosity as possible. I so resonate with that. You know, I was just having this conversation actually yesterday about how curiosity is that that openness of heart and mind. That if we can turn to curiosity, it can pull us sort of out of our own assumptions and presumptions that we're making in the moment, which are often the things that, that cause a little bit of separation. Mm-hmm. So I love that you bring that right there in the forefront of your ministry. It's mm-hmm. powerful, powerful stuff. So where were you before you were at Smooch? Before I was at Smooch, um, I 
did a hospital residency in St. Paul, Minnesota in behavioral health hospitals, which was a profound experience. Chaplaincy is a beautiful type of ministry. Um, It's a lot about the holy curiosity. It's a lot about not assuming that you know more about somebody than they know about themselves. It's a lot about um, meeting people where they're at. So that was a year of doing that, which was um, so informative and so such a beautiful ministry. That was all training. And before that, I did an internship in St. Louis, actually during the Ferguson crisis. And Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Tried to be a support and ally in that situation as best I could. And then before that, I went to seminary in at Union Theological Seminary in New York City. Awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been such a, a powerful and interesting time to be a pulpit minister. Mm-hmm. We've had so much in our sociopolitical climate um, and and also in our communities. You know, I'm thinking school shootings. I'm thinking fires and hurricanes and, you know, all of these things that are happening, police brutality. Mm-hmm. And to be able to um, honor the calling to be a presence for peace in the midst of all of that in a way that is authentic and um, calling to action. Mm -hmm. And so I have you here today Mm -hmm. for a very specific (laughs) reason. And uh, those who know me know I'm a little ornery. And um, so I heard, you know, I've seen on social media, you're here in the Kansas City area, and I live actually kind of in your neck of the woods. And I saw uh, Lenexa Church sues city of Lenexa for denial of a homeless permit, homeless shelter permit. Mm-hmm. And that caught my attention. And so I'm like following up on that. Also, mutual friend, your wife, and congratulations. Mm-hmm. I should say that you're a newlywed. So congratulations for that. Thank you, you. know, So we're friends on Facebook. So I've you know, caught wind of all this. And then one of your congregants reached out to me, who, who I work with here, and was like, hey, you should have Red Rose on your show. And I was like, oh, I definitely should do that, like that now. And so thank you so much, you know, on short notice for coming to this, because I really want to, I think... You know, um, this kind of conversation, the activity of the church, who the church is in the world, mm-hmm. is um, a conversation that we have to constantly be in, not just within our own bubble, mm-hmm. but to be able to come together. And, you know, the show is Voices of Unity, and I like to bring other people into conversation together. So to be able to come together today and talk about that, but also the context that we're in right now, just in church life, liturgical life, is Advent. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, and when I reached out to you, you came back with, yeah, well, you know, we can talk about poverty and, you know, and privilege and all of this in the context of the Christmas story and what it means to be in that anticipation of the coming Christ in light of what you're doing politically in your community. So talk to us about how how this church came to sue the city of Lenexa. So, um There is a lack of emergency resources for the homeless population in Kansas City and northeast Kansas. And we Unitarian Universalists believe in the inherent worth and dignity of every person. And that's kind of the beating heart of our religion and our religious beliefs, that every single person has inherent worth and dignity and that it is our call to uplift that and do do the work of our church, which is um, uphold the inherent worth and dignity of every person. So I have a lot of thoughts about the church's role in society as the moral voice and as um, the, especially with universalism being uh, the goal of the world community, I think, to 
to um, uplift all humans. So um, we are trying to live into our values. We're trying to put our money where our mouth is. We're trying to um, <clears throat> lead a community that is in crisis into a deeper community and deeper relationship with as much compassion and humanity as possible. Love it. If I wish I had like an amen button here I could push. <laughs> but I, and the crowd said amen. <laughs> you know, it's, you know that, that compassion piece that you're talking about, the universalism, you know, oneness is another term of, you know, connecting that, you know, just at a human level we are all one and that preserving that sense of sacred dignity um, in the individual mm-hmm. is critical for you know the church to take action in and to really be a voice for that and so your tradition Mm -hmm. the unitarian universalists have a really good track record with that i would say that's not really the case for unity and i wouldn't say across the board that we're coming more out of our little bubble but um there has been um, a criticism in the unity circles of staying safe and mm-hmm. playing safe and um, and being more focused on the inner growth and, and that, which is important. Mm-hmm. And we also have in our own five principles the movement between the fourth and the fifth, which is, you know, the fourth principle is, you know, through prayer and meditation we connect with the divine. And the fifth is it's not enough to know the truth. We must live the truth we know, which is mm-hmm. moving that out into action and putting, you know, feet to our prayers, if you will. Mm-hmm. So um, I know I'm a voice for that and, you know, always kind of poking and prodding and, um, and there are a lot of unity churches who have come out of that bubble and, and who are, have taken action in some very um, sensitive areas and mm-hmm. in profound ways. So I applaud your history of that in, in your you know um, tradition and then also the willingness you know right now with your mm-hmm. community to really lead in this way. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious how, um, first and foremost, there was an idea, some divine idea, to create a temporary homeless shelter, mm-hmm. right? And the, temporary that, warming center. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so talk about that process, how that idea was birthed in your community and, and what that was like. It was brought to us, and we said yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So something about how do you— I mean, <laughs> there you I go. I love it. Like, yeah. well, it was brought to us, and we were like, yep. But that that yes, I mean, how do you— I mean, the moment you're you're talking, you're asking questions about how do you, as a community, move towards justice work as yes. part of the sacred work of a community, especially in question when there are questions of privilege, there are questions of comfort. Yes. How do you make the transition into um, putting your money where your mouth is, putting feet to your prayers? Well, I know. I mean, like I said, I live I live out in that area, and I know that there are people there who would be shocked to learn that there would be a need for a homeless shelter in that part of the city well you just got to open your eyes yeah you just got to look and people are there right yep homelessness is on the rise and a lot of beds are closing and there are very few resources and the homeless population is um, a very diverse group and it is a group of people who have inherent worth and dignity and deserve a place to sleep and deserve a meal and um, it could happen to anyone right and I mean, a big, a big thing that I think about is um, I would uh, is about the covenant that we make as mm-hmm. a global community of humans. 
how are we going to treat each other? And part of that in in saying that I'm going to I'm going to support you in your moment of need is saying that I expect to be supported in my moment of need. And when my child or my brother needs support, I expect that the covenant comes back to me too and that I will be supported. And it's kind of I mean, I think there's a real connection in justice work between having an an acknowledgement of your own suffering Mm -hmm. and being connected to that, not as like a – and I mean, there's a lot of questions around how do you – how do you focus on your own suffering in a way that is really self-loving and not self-harming or that kind of stuff? But for me, part of the work in my congregation around this has been – excuse me, has been around um, really eliminating the us and them narrative that uh, there are many people within my own congregation who, for all the world to see, are very successful family people, but come to me privately when the mortgage is due, come to me privately when someone loses a job. And that's that I'm holding that as minister. I hold confidentiality, of course. So I hold that knowledge that I'm finding people housing, that I'm finding people food. I do that through my pastoral care team and with myself. But really also not shouldering that by myself, but letting other people carry that. Mm -hmm. And that has been probably one of the most beautiful experiences of this is that people have taken up the mantle. Yeah, it is beautiful mm -hmm. because it is a shared burden to bear, if you will. You know, that Mm -hmm. what affects one affects all of us, you know, especially when we're coming together in community. Um, It's it 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 affects us consciously or unconsciously, you know, so it's our choice to make. Like, are we going to open to awareness, open to curiosity? What's what's right here in the midst of us? Mm -hmm. And and then what can we do to, you know, share that? Right. And since we've we've been since I've been talking about this, um. Several people have come to me and said, have I ever told you about the time that I was homeless? People in my own family who I didn't know about. People who, I mean, the the, the Johnson County has a huge need. And it's mm-hmm. not just for people who are chronically homeless, right. who are people who also deserve inherent worth and dignity and a place to sleep and to be organized with and be be part of the movement, obviously. Be leaders in the movement against poverty. But also, like, probably like a, a, a third of the people who are experiencing homelessness in Johnson County are employed, have a car. People sometimes are homeless for one night. People get out of an abusive relationship. So just the perceptions of who the homeless are, right. people who are experiencing homelessness. Um, yeah. Well, and you're touching on the shame piece around it, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, we we carry sometimes these kinds of experiences in in private in hiding, really, sure. um, because of shame. And so being able to bring it to light um, in community and the safety of community and especially spiritual community, mm-hmm. I think, is a way to loosen up the shame that is built up collectively around it. Mm-hmm. And the shame that's built up around suffering at all. Right. I mean, you can, especially in the context of... Um, privilege the i think there's something that goes along with privilege which is a um like a kind of an inaccess to one's own suffering about something or skewed views around suffering and comfort and so i mean i'm trying to do a lot of work around honest dialogue storytelling just how do we how do we get to the crux of what it is and this this issue has kind of forced my community to look at the crux which is like human bodies 
in the cold. Like that's a very clear type of suffering that um, does have this very, very long religious history behind it because of the ministry of Jesus. So that's been, I mean, thinking about how do you transition into a ministry of justice? I mean, for me, it's been very graceful. It's been not necessarily that we've been graceful, but <laughs> I like, like, I was like, really? <laughs> yes, I've been very very graceful, graceful this been. whole time. <laughs> <laughs> no, they've like, the, it's been like grace filled. Like the ah, fact yes. that this came to us and that we were in a place to, to lift it up is, is very, very hopeful to me. And the, the people who've um, stepped forward are, I mean, I'm just floored by the clarity and the vision around it and the um, the willingness. It's yeah. it's extremely beautiful. And it's as as minister to a congregation. It's I don't know how to describe it. It's um, extremely heartening and feels like a shared ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's such a good a good way to put it, a shared ministry. That's when, you know, everyone's embracing their role, right? As a leader in yeah. the ministry and really owning the values that you set forward as a community and mm-hmm. stepping into that. And like you said, living our values. We're just living our values. You right. Know? So and the, the congreg- answer was easy. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the congregation is so powerful. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in terms of like leadership or religious leadership, I think ministers are often looked to as, you know, like what you're the moral voice. Right. Um, but in the community, there's one of me and there's like 300 plus of the congregation. So then the the community is really the um, just has just so much power in it. Yeah. And to see the power moving is really beautiful. That is. And mm-hmm. I can see it on your face. Mm-hmm. You know, it also makes me think about the um, kind of healing and the depth of healing that happens for everyone mm-hmm. in that um participating in that way and really stepping forward in that way to to be the fullness of the values that you profess. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because we t- talked a little bit about just that personal suffering and having an awareness of your own personal suffering. And, mm-hmm. and I wonder if you've ex- experienced, witnessed, you know, that kind of, you know, the healing that impacts the collective through this work. So much. I think, um, you know, we live in a world that is very troubling and we live in a world that is um, like almost psychically impossible to deal with the depth of the pain and suffering and the possibility of loss. I mean, just think about climate change. Like, how do you how do you remain spiritually well in an age of climate change? So, I think we um, uh, that'll be another show. So right? <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll think on that <laughs> till next time. Um, but we, I think that we can. Um, just be in a type of denial about things because it's so huge. Mm -hmm. So like we don't know. And I think it comes from helplessness. Mm -hmm. Like we don't know what to do about this. We don't know what to do about this. So like we just have to like a feeling of like we just have to kind of keep this somewhere else or compartmentalize it. And so and that's that's very damaging. Mm -hmm. It's very damaging to feel separate from the actual suffering and struggling in the world spiritually. I mean, we need to, we need to be feeling things. We need to be grieving Mm -hmm. things. We need to be finding faith and hope within those things together. That's all part of our liberation from it. And compartmentalizing it is just something that, I mean, I think that also has to do with privilege. So it breeds shame. I mean, that's what, you know, breeds and perpetuates that shame around it. 
right? Yeah. If we're going to be in denial about it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because then whoever is also in in the, I mean, the earth, like mm-hmm. whoever is in, is currently being oppressed is then just ostracized. And right. that's just a very, very bad cycle. So to have an influx of this meaning into our spiritual life. I mean, this last week, I just preached a lot about breath. Like, mm-hmm. now that we've done this brave thing, now we're going to go deep into our spiritual practices. We're just going to go, and because we're opened now, yeah. we're cracked, we're mm-hmm. ready We're ready to understand what these stories actually mean. Because they mean something in the context of privilege, and they mean something else in the context of the struggle. Right. Ah, it's so beautiful, you know, and so important, I think, to really acknowledge that the work is not linear. You know, mm-hmm. you don't decide what your values are and then step in to them, embody them and take action and keep moving forward. You have to stop and breathe. You mm-hmm. have to stop and come back and, and reevaluate your values and refine and understand them, you know, from a deeper place. Mm-hmm. And so it's that 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 is where we combine that spiritual work with the the living it out is mm-hmm. that it's a cyclical experience. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. That's about grace, too. Just how do things happen? And I think we have this real, um, a real wish for things to to just uh, happen in a linear way, happen according to what is going to be easiest, when really that relationship piece, that holy curiosity, that willingness to create a network and rely upon it and let the chaos build and break and move is I mean that for me in worship that's like the most beautiful part of worship. We have little yes. spaces liturgically where we allow chaos to occur, you know, where people can come up and yeah. light a candle or mm-hmm. like and you don't know what's going to happen right. and those are often the times where I'm like, okay, now we're worshiping, now we're together, yeah. now we're moving, something is moving here. You release the pretense or the, you know, the Sunday best and, you know, mm-hmm. what this is supposed to be into what is it? Right, what is it really? Yeah. And what is this really about? And we're all these fleshy humans with feelings and souls and mm-hmm. what are we really doing here? I think is kind of what I'm reckoning with as a minister and I think my congregation is also really trying to think about what are we doing here and mm-hmm. and what are we for? So, your the yes was to um create a temporary warming shelter is what you called it warming right? center warming mm-hmm. center and so you applied to the city for the permit to do so right is, mm-hmm. is that about zoning um, well i cannot comment on, i cannot comment on, okay well pending <laughs> litigation <laughs> <laughs> you know you can search it on you know facebook yeah, there are plenty ahead. of articles the ap has picked it up you oh yes yeah. you know uh-huh. it's all it's really all of us and um so the city has declined um i think it was a permit and um, and so you're moving forward in, in what I would presume is was the next step for what you as a community felt called to do mm-hmm. and, and to stay in this conversation. So I'm going to leave that part there because I know you're you're limited in what you can say about it, um, except to say that I think it's just really important to recognize that when a community says yes, mm-hmm. that <laughs> being able to keep in mind that you you, you say yes to a vision, to an idea Mm-hmm. And then when you take the first step or the second step, that all starts to shift, right? Reality settles mm-hmm. in and then to, to stay in that yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what, is it, what does it look like now? What are we saying yes to? If we're saying yes to that initial vision, we allow it to unfold as it will mm-hmm. and to shift and move and expand. Um, mm-hmm. If we stay in that yes place and doing the spiritual work along the way, mm-hmm. then we might 
have embarked on an adventure of which we had not initially (laughs) imagined. And I think that, you know, without saying anything specific, that process is something that we all experience in many, many different ways Mm -hmm. uh, to the point that we allow it. Yeah. And how do we what is that? Yes. That yes is like a, a yes of huge faith and a yes of huge hope. And a, a willingness in your most informed state to say, I'm going to I'm going to see this through. And how I mean, I, I think the question for me is, how do we keep in all of the stress and all of the um, just the the amount of energy that goes into doing justice work? How what do we keep sacred at the center and how do we keep those stories and those um, knowledges, sacred knowledges, right at the center of what we're doing. Right. Yeah. I really like what you said about how do you keep on saying yes? Because, yeah, we, we're going through this litigation, and that's a, that's a huge undertaking. Huge. I mean, it is extremely expensive. Yeah. And it is taking so much energy and so much, um, just a lot. But then what happens when there's a temporary warming center? Then there's a whole a whole nother. How do we right. organize with people? How do we honor people? How mm-hmm. do we care for people? I mean, those yeah. are huge questions that the church has been asking for a long time. Yeah. And a lot of it's really, really basic. But it feels a little bit like... It's easy, especially in an institution, to get away from the basic mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, spend a lot of time on things that are a little bit loftier. Mm-hmm. And so I think I'm really trying to think about what's that basic thing that we need to boil down to. And really, that's the inherent worth and dignity of every person. That's right. the divine. That's um, your breath. It's just very basic things because I'm just trying to, um, like, lower anxiety and lower lower the the energetic moments so that we can kind of have that touch that touchstone inside. Yeah, that's really beautiful and so important to to have that and maintain that touchstone mm-hmm. uh, so that we don't lose our way right on the path. And as it ebbs and flows and grows and expands, and mm-hmm. you know, there's a sudden drop or mm-hmm. you know a, right? a steep hill to mm-hmm. climb and and to be able to um, embody the yes. Um, as we thought we, you know, as we like wholeheartedly meant it when we first said it, you know, not knowing, you know, and so I love what you said about the informed, you know, Mm -hmm. informed. Yes. Like, so staying, being able to take in new information, being able Mm -hmm. to adjust and, and yet to stay grounded, to hold that touchstone. We have, um, just a few, a little bit before the break and we do have a caller, one of your congregants, one of my congregants, one of your congregants. So, um, we'll, we'll, but we'll come back to that. We'll start with that after the break. And, um, and then also I want to get into, you know, the context of, of Advent and Christmas Mm -hmm. and, you know, and this kind of work and, and uh, what story is that? Because the timing does not escape me. Mm-hmm. You know, None for, of us. For, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's really beautiful. I mean, it makes sense that we would have that story come winter. Yes, exactly. There we go. All right. So that's the music and the chimes <laughs> telling us that it's time for a break. And, and we will be back in just a moment. Glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. 
Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Voices of Unity with Reverend Jackie Fernandez. This is Reverend Jackie, and I'm back with Reverend Rose Schwab from Smooch, mm-hmm. the Shawnee Mission Unitarian Universalist Church. And so we've been talking about the work that your ministry has been doing um, in um, effort to bring a warming center mm-hmm. um, to the community. And uh, we've been talking about just what it means in general to do in the context of spiritual community, to engage in justice work and conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have a phone call. So I would like to bring our caller live. Hello, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi, Elizabeth. Thank you for calling. Hi, Reverend Jackie. Hi, Reverend Rose. Thank you. Yes, so um, thank you so much for talking about this today. Um, Jackie, I know I've talked to you about this, that um, I'm very happy that our congregation, I'm a member of Smooch, is taking this on. But so my question for you both today is, um, I I guess I hear what you're saying, and this is more of a devil's advocate question, but how do you address either of you within the context of a congregation or any situation the issue of fear, I guess, um, I'm, I, you know, in the conversation set, I know um, some of our constituents are having at Smooch um, about this and around taking on this project. And I know, I'm sure, within the community of Lenexa is people being afraid um, and maybe even not even acknowledging that their responses are based in fear. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we come at that? Or how do we address that in any sort of justice work? But it maybe it maybe in this situation or any justice work. It's a great question. Mm-hmm. Go for it. <laughs> well, the the way that we have been thinking about this is through information sharing and making as many informational meetings as we possibly can. Just so everyone knows, there are Thursdays at 6 p.m. and at about 11.45 in the sanctuary at Smooch. Just have as much information sharing, have as much as many questions we can answer, make sure we're hearing people's questions, um, creating teams to answer questions. Because there is, I mean, anytime there's a big change, there's fear. And anytime that there's... Um, conflict, there's fear. And so I think we're kind of trying to get underneath the fear to figure out what is this really about? What is this fear about? Is it about loss? Is it about change? Is it about, is there something going on that um, that information can solve? So we're just really trying to share information and then in worship, really trying to um, get to the heart of it and and encourage people to not let that fear get them, but get that fear and and move forward in bravery, knowing that there are there are so many people who are completely dedicated to safety and to community and to communication and to information sharing, and that the the goal of this is to really um, keep from happening what we're really afraid of, which would be um, loss of human life or um uh people not getting resources that they need. So I think we're really just trying to meet people where they're at and provide information. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. You know, what I'm thinking, too, is uh, kind of what we said before about curiosity. Uh, well, first, let me say I love what you said, you know, not to let the fear get you. You get the fear. Yeah. Get after it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also to open up to curiosity, because, you know, to Elizabeth's question, like when what we thought we were saying yes to changes, mm-hmm. you know, when or when the plan doesn't seem to go in the easy, graceful way we thought it would, mm-hmm. um, then fear, fear creeps in and and fear can be healthy. And mm-hmm. it's how it's what we do with it and how we handle it, right? Mm-hmm. It can lead us to information, like you said. Mm-hmm. Like, will information solve this? Like, do we need more information, or is this something we need to um, be aware of and take steps, you know, toward? Like, this is inviting us into a safety precaution of of whatever kind, the emotional, psychological, um, tactical, mm-hmm. and. Um, or is this like old stuff, which, you know, that that goes in, you know, people get triggered, right? That goes into your own personal crap that you're bringing, you know, the baggage that you've toted around with you. And this is, you know, triggering your own thing. And, well, you know, and, I, and then it's um, amplified as a community. So, you know, what we thought we together, those of us who are all alike and in agreement, mm-hmm. what we were saying yes to was not this. We <laughs> thought ABC and now it looks like, you know, JQ. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> and so being able to um, anchor in to like what we were talking about before the break, that touchstone and um, and remember the who and whose we are piece of why we do anything. And, and OK, and then how do we course correct? How do we adjust and and doing that? At being able to take the responsibility to do it on an individual level as we engage in that as a community. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious how it has changed your Sunday sermon. Well, how the how what has changed my how this current experience? Oh, um, if it has hugely, yeah. Oh, yeah, because it's a shared experience in real time that the congregation mm-hmm. is going through. So, oh yeah. yeah. So, um, I've been really trying to draw upon stories that are about this same thing from our religious heritage. We have a a beautiful legacy of standing on the side of love. Mm-hmm of doing brave things um, and so trying to support that and help this congregation know that it's not alone at all right. and the community support and the congregational support around us has been so overwhelming people saying this makes sense to us people coming to community meetings people saying thank you this is so needed people wanting to help I mean it's just been extremely heartwarming and so my sermons um I mean, preaching is its is its own animal. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it's just been on my heart so much that I've been preaching directly to it. Sure. Yeah. Of course. Um, I preached recently on the story of the widow's might, mm-hmm. which I think is often interpreted as um, this kind of desperate lowly, pitiful woman being raised up as um, extra generous mm-hmm. to encourage people to tithe or give more money to the church. But I have a very different reading of that story. I believe that um, Jesus's ministry was one of intense public witness and justice. And so I read that as Jesus. And they say um, the text says that it's a certain woman. Mm -hmm. And so I have to wonder who is this woman and how does he know her and why is she so certain? And I read into (laughs) that that she's known to Uh Jesus. Mm And that perhaps they even went to the temple and this temple where 
Jesus has already turned over the tables where um, commerce is happening, where they meet at the treasury of all places. Mm-hmm. And why would why would Jesus have gone to the treasury at the church but to make a commentary about it? And I read this as the woman um, being dignified in herself with no money. Yeah. I read it as a very public setting where there's people's commerce is in the gaze of the community and the gaze of their God. And this woman puts two mites into the treasury, which would have bought her nothing. Mm-hmm. It's nothing, right. basically. Right. And then there's Jesus speaking to her, speaking to the people about her and um, calling them to bear witness to what it means to to have no livelihood. The word livelihood in the text is actually translatable as fullness of stomach. So kind of taking it down to like the bare bones of what this is actually about. It's about it's about physical hunger and mm-hmm. it's about a physical need. Um, and so that type of bright light being shown on a woman who is who is being dignified in that place, being a very, very powerful shifting moment. And so thinking about Jesus's ministry as that, as really, really radically in solidarity with the poor and in solidarity with the oppressed and that being what he did so i've preached that sermon that's beautiful mm-hmm. yeah. thank you for sharing that preach yeah. preach um yeah and i love your approach to scripture you know to the text mm-hmm. there's so much especially in those nuances of that certain woman mm-hmm. why was she so certain it's a good question mm-hmm. you know and um yes and to really expand that you know in just a very human level of what it means to be validated Mm-hmm. Um, like that and and um and then the hunger piece and you know talking about all of this what's happening in your community um during advent during winter i mean it's been cold here so mm-hmm. you know we can um we can get theological we can provide you know spiritual inspiration we can do all that kind of work but when we're when we're doing that with someone who's starving mm-hmm. or who has slept in you know 20 degree weather overnight mm-hmm. um you know, it's really meaningless work. Like, mm-hmm. you know, make a sandwich, mm-hmm. provide a warming center, you know, mm-hmm. like meet those physical needs. And, and, and then let's talk about, you know, spiritual right. uh, nourishment. So mm-hmm. what, you know, what, how is that? Do you think this timing, like mm-hmm. being able to spotlight this issue, specifically in the county that you live in, in the community that you're with um, during this cold season? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean it it's not it's not even like that's a moment of grace that's just like actually how the world works that people who are experiencing homelessness get cold come winter so mm-hmm. it 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 makes sense I'm I'm relieved and grateful to the like pagan Christian calendar that there are stories of people needing to find warmth at this time that are sacred. I mean, these are sacred stories with myths and like archetypes that are, that are, that we have been taught to look up to as sacred. And I mean, that kind of gets to the crux of it is like, what is sacred here? What is sacred that we need to be doing? There's lots that's sacred. And there are certain things that are like theological non-negotiables. And so how do we – I think this story of Advent just like circles around this theological non-negotiable, which is the concept of hospitality. Mm -hmm. It's the concept of sanctuary. It's the concept of humanity. It's the concept of shared liberation. And so I just – it makes perfect sense to me that that story is happening now. And it it makes sense to me that that story is so – 
nuanced. And it's nuanced beyond just an individual person needing shelter. It's nuanced all the way up to the empire. Right. That these people have been forced to make a very dangerous journey during a dangerous time in order to be counted. And so what does that say? I mean, being nearly pregnant, nearly giving birth on a donkey Mm -hmm. for in the cold desert, that's not safe. That's not medical care. That's not that's not that's not how a human being should be treated. Right. Um, you're and not, so, you're not valuing, valuing the citizenry. You're so wanting to count. You know, so desperate to count. Right. You're and what's not, the count for? What mm-hmm. does the count give somebody? Yeah. Um, and then from that, what does it mean that um, a baby is born? We Unitarian Universalists believe that every baby that's born is a redeemer. And this yes. time of year, we celebrate just the immense capacity of humanity to grow and shift and each human being's individual brilliant light to bring salvation and peace and kindness and compassion and goodness to the world. Yeah. And so really lifting up, we lift up a humanist part of it that that a child who is born into this setting could could in all of his glorious humanity make a shift this large that it would last for millennia around that from his own knowledge of being born into poverty. Ah, I mm-hmm. love it. Mm-hmm. From his own knowledge of being born into poverty. Mm-hmm. And what does it mean that Jesus was poor? I think that, I mean, I have a, a photo on my wall in my office that um, is from the Poor People's Campaign, mm-hmm. and it was from a uh, a pilgrimage that they did, and it's a covered wagon, and on it is written, don't laugh, folks. Jesus was a poor man. Ah, and he wasn't white. Right. Yeah. Right. There's so much about that, what uh, has become the the Christ, the archetype of the Christ, you know, versus right. how the story is actually told, you know, of, mm-hmm. of who he was. And, um, yeah, I love that, just all of the context that you just brought to that and how important that story is. And, you know, in unity, we say that we are born in original blessing and mm-hmm. um, that, you know, that to, to me, I'll say it this way and not try to represent all of unity because <clears throat> everyone would say it differently. But I think that the Christmas story, the birth of, of Jesus is Christianity's great gift to the world because mm-hmm. it is that telling of the divine being made incarnate of coming mm-hmm. in and mm-hmm. that it's not um you know it's not withheld from anyone mm-hmm. and so what you're saying is from the humanist perspective mm-hmm. like and fully human fully human fully divine and being able to live out that calling um and what does that mean to have that not withheld from anyone right it's humanity is not withheld from anyone right at all and yeah. what does it mean that one person drew attention to that so profoundly and that this person was so effective and that we have that human agency too. Yes. We have that agency to be that yes. powerful and, and that honorific of the divine and see it within ourselves and others and move in this way that is so intelligent and so graceful. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's and, so beautiful. And, and we, we overcomplicate it, right? We try yeah. to make so much out of it. Well, you know, and then like, well, that was Jesus and, you know, the Christ and without sin. And, you know, we make up all these sort of tangential um, stories about it um, in order to separate and make it unattainable. Like, mm-hmm. you know, whether we do that individually from ourselves or whether that's done for us, mm-hmm. you know, by a collective or a society that wants to say, no, you have no power. Right. Mm-hmm. But what does it mean to know that you do have yeah. power? And how's that for like a liberative message? Yeah, it's everything. Mm-hmm. It's everything. And power, you know, um, paired with, with wisdom. You know, mm-hmm. power that's not used to, you know, over, mm-hmm. overcome other people, but to overcome those ideas that would separate us. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's beautiful. Good stuff. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for saying yes to this. It was kind of a last minute thing, you know, but this has been delightful and, you know, such a powerful time. And I heard you say, and I don't want to, um, you know, not spend any time on this because I heard you mention the cost. Mm-hmm. That this is, you know, a, a more expensive undertaking than maybe what you had mm-hmm. first envisioned, mm-hmm. and so we're gonna, you know, move, ebb and flow, and move mm-hmm. and expand, you know, with that. And um, so, are you setting up any kind of fund specific for this work? Are you is it just giving to your church with a note that you want to support this this mm-hmm. endeavor? Is you tell me? There are multiple ways that you can do it. Uh, we are creating a web page on the church website, which you can. The website is smuuchurch.org, where you can go and give to the legal fund. You could also send a check to the church. Um, you could call the church um, in the little memo line on the check. Just write legal fund. Um, if you are a minister of a congregation, you could do a split the plate. We would be happy to come out and speak to it on Sunday morning. Not me, but a member of the congregation. Go ahead um, and explain what that is, split the plate is. So a split, well, we you use do something called donate the plate where once a month we give the whole plate to another organization or, we'll, or we will split the plate every single Sunday. So different churches do it different ways. But basically it's a way to remain financially accountable to the community and in that inspire giving to the congregation too. So it's just a way to create a culture of generosity. Excuse me. Um, so I'm, some people might call it like a... a a special donation or a, mm-hmm. a passing of the or plate. Or tithing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, community ministries. Did, and, so, and, and I want to just kind of explain all this out because whoever is listening is connected to a community that they mm-hmm. might want to invite into mm-hmm. this giving. And so in Unity, um, most of our ministries practice tithing, so they tithe outside of their own community. Oh, wow. And so it might be that That's money awesome. that, you know, would go out to this effort, you know, because we – the the effort is to be united in community for mm-hmm. for a cause for each other. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about winning a lawsuit or you know whatever, but it's about taking those steps towards your initial vision, which is to provide a warming center, right? You know, to provide it, you know, to fulfill a need, to meet mm-hmm. a need that is basic human needs, and which speaks into whom do we value in our community? Mm-hmm. You know, who are we caring for? What provision are we giving to those mm-hmm. in need? Right, and this is not a political issue. This is a right. religious issue. This is an issue that churches should be allowed to practice our ministry in our church and that our ministry and our vision says very, very clearly that we care for the inherent worth and dignity of every single person. Right. And churches should be allowed to practice. They should absolutely be allowed Mm -hmm. to practice that. And communities have come to rely on that, Mm -hmm. you know, and the church's willingness over, you know, throughout history to to be that provision in Mm -hmm. the communities, right? So Mm -hmm. let's like, you know, (laughs) let's not let that slide. You know, our communities are really built, you know, with the reliance. If the churches were all to shut down and stop that Mm -hmm. kind of work, Mm -hmm. you know, it would... I can't even imagine mm-hmm. the extent it would touch. Right. It would be the churches provide. I mean, faith communities have every single every single faith community has mandates around how to support people yeah. who are the outcast. I mean, it's just so central to the ministry of the church. And I did want to say one more thing about, I mean, this conflict and then what Elizabeth, excuse me, <clears throat> asked about fear. Um, I think that in times of conflict, we can, it's easy to collapse into fear. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm really trying to remind myself that the, uh, this conflict around churches is a long, a longstanding conflict and that, yes. um, it's, it's something that, uh, we can, we can conduct ourselves with great grace and compassion 
and universalism through it with always always a hope for reconciliation, always a hope for compromise, always a hope to work together with any community partner that we are that we are working with. Always 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 a hope to build community and spread compassion and um, humanity to everyone that we work with, even in conflict. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love it. Well said. Mm-hmm. So we talked on the break about prayer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being two ministers, you know, I'm like, hey, why don't we have some prayer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, for the communities experiencing this, but also for the communities who are, you know, experiencing homelessness mm-hmm. and poverty and or any kind of whatever flavor of outcastedness mm-hmm. you know we have delivered to people mm-hmm. as, as, as a community at large as a society at large um, so I'm just going to ask you if you would lead us in a prayer sure I invite you to take a deep breath spirit of life creator liberator being inside We ask that all people who are experiencing homelessness, people who are cold to the skin, hungry to the belly, aching in the heart, not knowing where one belongs, not knowing if one is wanted, we ask that these people find shelter immediately. Find community immediately, find food, find family, find healing, find reconciliation. We're so grateful for all that we have. And from that gratefulness, we reach out with a wish, a hope and a prayer for a great everlasting peace to wash over this earth, for conflicts to be resolved and humanity to come together and work on the insurmounting issues that face us. We ask that we find a strength we did not know we had and that this world might blossom into something that we did not know that we could not even have imagined. Blessed be and amen. Amen. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That was beautiful. Well, it is a delight to know you, and and I, you know, would be remiss to say to not just acknowledge you and your willingness to answer your call to ministry and to be the light, to shine your light as only you can, and to be that presence of of what it means to be a, a radical, you know, um, spirited, spiritual, grounded leader mm-hmm. in this world. And Thank you. Yeah. So. The, <laughs> That is like soaking up your presence. But Kansas City, uh, specifically Shawnee, Lenexa, Johnson County are so blessed to have you in the midst. And and so I just put a word of blessing and encouragement out to you and um, look Thank forward you. to, you know, can I say about the hair? Oh, I don't know anything about um <laughs> I just let me just say this. I just hope to be a presence for you, a presence of support. Thank you so and much. I'm so glad to have you on the show today, and to be able to get this message out there for people who need to hear it. And it'll be archived, so it can be it will be heard in the future, and maybe continue to inspire people who find themselves in whatever um, place and path and journey of yes, 
Mm-hmm. And it may look yeah. absurdly different than what they thought it might look in the beginning. And, you know, I wonder um, what that, let's say a little bit about endurance. Mm. That endurance, that strength of spirit, the strength of heart to carry mm-hmm. forward into, I mean, we don't know where mm-hmm. this is going for you and for your community. And so, what is that? Uh, I think it's a lot about um, it's a lot about grounding and it's a lot about spiritual practice and it's a lot about being just fierce with yourself about about that about being kind to yourself being gentle to yourself being kind to those around you gentle to those around you but that doesn't mean not boundaried I think it means finding a balance within yourself that is that honors the light in others and honors the light in you and just eating good food and going for walks and sleeping enough. Yes. And yes. <laughs> I'm saying that to myself. All that good stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? But we get called, you know, we, we preach to the things that we've been called to experience. Oh, yeah. Right? You yeah. know, and so that, you know, that uh, firsthand experience of, mm-hmm. of how we bring forward that. And, mm-hmm. yeah, and so I see that for your community. And as they navigate this journey that they have said yes to. Mm-hmm. And in the, you know, as the spiritual ninja warriors. Mm-hmm. Right? Heck yeah. Yeah, heck yeah. I want to be a spiritual ninja warrior. Yeah, you are. Mm-hmm. You are. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, thank you for listening. And um, we'll continue next week with um, this uh, story of Advent, but in the ways that, you know, real time. Let's put this story in real time because it's not a story that um, has left for, you know, centuries mm-hmm. ago. This is mm-hmm. a story that is alive and real and in us today to the extent we allow it and to, um, the, you know, to the extent of our willingness to, to exemplify it and, and mm-hmm. honor that. Mm-hmm. And um, so I want to continue in this conversation. And I think, you know, I'm just going to put it out there that I'd like to have you back for season for nonviolence. Oh, and, cool. Yeah, I'm going to do a whole series on that. And Sounds so, awesome. you know, so everyone's been put on notice that for the new year, <laughs> you know, it's we're not, you know, we're not we're, we're, we're on an upward traje- trajectory uh-huh. um, to get out of our sacred bubbles. Right. Yeah, it's really great to spend time with another minister. And I appreciate your blessing a lot goes a long way and I am so grateful to everyone who's listening and everyone who um, has a heart for this issue. Thank you so much for listening. Yes, thank you and so I always end the show with until next time stay tuned in and tuned up in spirit. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.